we have the opportunity to observe one answer to those questions. Today we're going to see a process explained by a father to his son regarding how it is he can experience the full benefit of godly wisdom. And so you can turn to me with me if you have a Bible with you. The, the scripture will also be on the screen, so you can follow along there. We're going to be in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. So for the most part today, you can just uh, keep your Bible there. And uh, so follow along with me now as I read from Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that these words that reveal your words for us, Lord, that they might be used by you in spite of me, Lord. We pray that you would be put on display today, that your word and your revealed intentions for our life through the power of the Holy Spirit would land upon us and, Lord, would shape and mold us into who it is that you want us to be as image bearers of the creator of the universe, Lord. We pray that we would progress more and more in the direction of living in your righteousness. And Lord, I pray that today you'd open our eyes in new ways to see how it is that you desire to do that in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as a reminder, we've been in the book of Proverbs for some time. So we've been in the midst of this series. Now, the thread that holds Proverbs together is found in the Hebrew word chokmah which our English versions translate into wisdom. And so wisdom, or chokmah, is being practiced whenever people are making good, just, and wise decisions. And inversely, those who make bad, immoral, or foolish decisions are going against chokmah. The idea being this, that chokmah, it's the moral law. It's created by God to guide the universe. And that the beginning of chokmah, or wisdom, is respecting God. It's living according to his wisdom. And so in, in all of chapter 4, where we're, located, where we're hanging out today, the father, he's appealing to his son to hear his words about wisdom. And this emphasis on wisdom continues right where we begin today. Let's look again at those, the first three verses of this section, starting at verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words, the words of chokmah, the words of wisdom. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. So in these verses, he is 
emphatically telling his son, pay attention to wisdom. Don't, don't let it pass you by. Listen to it. Not only that, but he says in verse 21, he says, don't take your eyes off chokhmah. Keep it always before you. Hold that wisdom close to your heart. And he appeals in verse 22 that if you follow this wisdom, it's going to bring life to your soul. It's going to be like good medicine. It's going to heal your heart. And so this strong appeal from a father to his son, it sets the stage for him to introduce this process of transformation that we're going to be exploring today. The father goes on to teach his son that if you fix your eyes on wisdom, it will protect your heart. And, and if you protect your heart from it, will flow springs of life. And as that spring of life flows from your heart, it will produce a transformed life. So let's jump in on the first step in the process of transformation. Okay, and we see this in verse 25. And then again, we're going to read verse 21 as well. So verse 25, again, it says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Okay, and we see a, a, a common or a similar theme, theme again in 21, which says, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Now, to get the full meaning of this passage, what we need to do is we need to understand the full meaning of wisdom. Um, now, for those of you who were there weeks ago, uh, Michael our pastoral resident, he gave an entire message on wisdom from Proverbs 8. And in that message, he helped us to see that for us, wisdom is found in, in, in primarily two ways. It's found in the Bible, okay? It's found in God's Word, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so true wisdom is fulfilled in the Scriptures and in the Gospel of Christ, and what that means is that if we, if we look at verse 25 and 21 through that lens, it could be read this way. 25 could be read this way. Let your eyes look and your gaze be upon Jesus and the scriptures. Or 21 could read this. It could read, let the word and gospel not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So wisdom is found in the scriptures and in Jesus. Now, in case you don't believe me, let me illustrate this from, from the Bible itself. Psalm 119, 15 and 16 reads, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Okay, so this gives us this, this fuller picture. We're to keep our eyes fixed on the scriptures. We're to meditate upon them. The author of the psalm emphasizes he won't forget the scriptures, meaning he'll literally commit them to memory. And he takes it even a step further as he says he will dwell on them in such a way that it will even affect his emotions. It's going to lead him to delight. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. So what we need to see here is that this is much more than a casual reading of the Bible. This is so dwelling on a truth 
that it begins to affect the things that we love and the things that we do. This is why if you, if you walked into my bathroom and you looked at the mirror, you would see that it looks a little, little bit like a bulletin board, okay? Um, because uh, my wife has written scripture on cards and she's taped them all around the mirror so that as she's getting ready in the morning, she can be reminded of and meditate on those truths. And it helps them to sink in deep. It encourages her soul and it transforms her heart. And so we see here that in cooperation with what we read in Proverbs 4, fixing our eyes on wisdom is to fix our eyes on the Word, on Scripture. And the, but the Bible suggests that we should fix our eyes on something else as well. We see this in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. It reads this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Another, I think the NIV says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the idea here in verse 2 is that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus as the leader and the founder of our faith. And we do this because it Helps us, of course, to imitate him in love. But we also do it because we do it as an act of worship, as we celebrate how it is that as the Son of God, he secured our faith through his death and resurrection. This is why, as often as we gather as a church on Sunday mornings, we celebrate the Lord's table. It's the finale of our worship. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, remembering his body that was broken, his blood that was shed for you and for me. So for us to live with godly wisdom, with godly chokmah, we must fix our eyes upon the wisdom found in God's word and the wisdom in the gospel. Now, brought a little prop today. In my hand, I have two rocks. Okay, now those of you in the back, you're not going to be able to see this, but if I would describe these two rocks, this one in my left hand on your right, it's smaller than the other. It's a little darker looking. It's shiny. It's very, very smooth. Okay? And then this one on my right, on your left, it's, it's rougher. It's got little rougher edges. It's not, not very smooth. It's kind of got this matte finish, so it's a little hazy looking. Okay, now what's the difference between these two rocks? Because they're, they're both river rocks. But there is a difference. You see, over the course of years, this rock was in the river, right? It, it, was, it was in the current of a river for a long, long time. And over the course of years, water rushed over this rock. It turned and tumbled it down the stream. It struck its surface with smaller particles of sand, all of which slowly transformed it from a dull, rough rock to a smaller, smoother, shinier rock. So what I want us to see here is that when we fix our gaze upon chokmah, upon godly wisdom, what it's telling us to do is to place ourselves in the river 
of God's word and the gospel. To let ourself be washed over by the water of the word, Ephesians 5. To live out our life in such a way that godly wisdom is always around us. That when we rise, when we go to bed, as we gather on Sundays, as we gather in our city groups, as we have coffee with a friend, we are submerging ourselves in this river of wisdom. You know, a rock does not have to work hard to go from being rough to smooth. It just needs to stay in the river. And that's what we're being challenged to do today. So how, how better can you go about fixing your eyes on wisdom? You know, it's great to attend services and groups. This is an important part of that practice. But how about your individual life? Are you immersing yourself in the wisdom of God's word and the gospel? So we've seen we need to fix our eyes on wisdom. And now we're going to see how, how this gaze is used by the Lord to protect and preserve our heart. So look with me. You can go back to your Bible there. And we're going to start at verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So we're, we're to keep our heart. We're to protect our heart with all vigilance. Now, and we get a glimpse of how to do this a little more specifically back in 21 again. Here's what it says. Let them not escape, meaning, speaking of wisdom, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So these verses imply that as we store wisdom in our heart, it, it protects and preserves it, okay? Now, before we move forward, it would be helpful for us to more fully understand how the Bible defines the spiritual heart, okay? It is, after all, a common theme in the scriptures that we don't th- spend a lot of time thinking about. And so I did something this week, I, uh, or maybe the last few weeks, I, I looked at about 70 different direct references to the heart in the Bible, and I wrote them out, And then I began to study those. And then I began to kind of put them together and try to look for a synthesis. What does the Bible tell us about the heart? And I came came down or narrowed it down to five general statements, okay? So I'm not going to be able to cite all the references of what I referred to, but I want to share those general statements about the heart that we can learn from the Bible. And there's five statements. Number one is, according to the Bible, our heart, our spiritual heart, it's the seat of our emotions, It's the place where our affections flow from. Therefore, we can love God, we can love people, we can even love things with our heart. The second thing, according to the Bible, the things that we love can either make us healthy or they can make us sick. Okay, So we can have a healthy heart or a sick heart, a hard heart or a soft heart. And depending upon the condition of our heart, we'll either make good or bad choices. The third statement, according to the Bible, our heart is changed by God through grace, both instantaneously as an act of divine power and slowly over time through scriptures, prayer, community, and his presence within us. Number four, according to the Bible, the condition of our heart is often revealed by our actions. 
but that we also need the help of God, we need the help of people, we need the help of the Bible, because we're often blind to the vulnerabilities of the heart. And then the final observation I made is that according to the Bible, one of the primary qualities of a Christian life should be to have a humble and joy-filled heart. Now, I I know there's no way you're going to remember all that, okay? And that's okay, because that wasn't my point. What I wanted you to get is this general idea that our spiritual heart, as described in the scriptures, it's an incredibly important organ, okay, in the life of every single person. So much so that, that according to verse 23, we need to keep our heart with vigilance, for from that heart flows springs of life. Now, it's worth noting that, that the original Hebrew word for keep in this translation, it could also be translated into words like to watch, to guard, to protect, or preserve. And, and if you read other English translations of the Bible, you'd see many of those words used. But no matter which word you choose, the point is the same. If you're a Christian, you should protect your heart. Now, when we hear that, okay, when we hear that, and even in my gesture, I kind of make that point. When we hear that, we associate protection with a good defense, like building a wall or a fortress around our heart. But that's not how this is described, Verse 21 says we're to fill our heart with wisdom, and the previous point made clear that we're to keep our eyes on wisdom. What it's saying is that the best defense is a good offense. Okay? If you want to protect your heart, then fill it with godly chokmah. Fill it with wisdom. Now, a long time ago, I read an article that illustrated the heart this way. It said, the heart is like a glass of water, okay? And, and, and when sin is introduced into, into our hearts, it's like taking a, you know, a spoonful of dirt and introducing it into that water. And as you can imagine, as the heart is stirring that dirt, that dirt becomes mud and it spreads to all the water, making it look dark and impure. Now, though there's wisdom to guarding the heart in that illustration from adding more soil, it doesn't solve the problem of the polluted water, does it? In this situation, the only way to change the condition of the water is to infuse it with more pure water. And as you do this, the cup not only begins to overflow, but the water also becomes increasingly clear, increasingly free from impurity. And this captures for us a picture of how Proverbs 4 is teaching us to guard our heart by filling it with godly wisdom, so much so that our heart overflows with springs of life. So how is it that God is challenging you to protect your heart with vigilance? Now, for some of you, God might be speaking right now to where you're at because patterns of sin that you've been pursuing are causing damage to your heart. So, so for you, maybe the first step is, well, I can say for certain, the first step is to confess your sin, to, to repent, which means turn from it and, and go the other way. And, and as you do so, you'll stop polluting your heart with the soil of sin. But for all of us, 
all of us here, God is inviting us to live our life with wisdom, which brings full circle the previous point that wisdom is found in the river of God's word and and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we've seen that we're to fix our gaze upon wisdom, and by doing so, we're protecting our heart. And this leads to the final observations from that I want to make from Proverbs 4, namely that when our heart is healthy, it produces obedience, it produces change. Uh, look with me at verses 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now in verse 26, when it says, that pondering our path will make our way sure, it's saying that when we measure our choices against godly wisdom, then it will, verse 27, keep us from evil. The true wisdom will actually guide our feet on the path, keeping us from turning toward evil behaviors that come by stepping too far to the left or too far to the right. Now, though we aren't spending this message on specific commands of Scripture, um, we've spent a lot of time thinking about that in this series from Proverbs. How to live according to godly wisdom is how we use our money, is how we use our words, and how we appropriate our desires, all those things. Now, though this sermon isn't filled with direct instruction in that regard, it is filled with instruction regarding the process that leads to change in those specific areas, okay? So the point being is we fix our eyes on godly wisdom. We'll be keeping our heart with all vigilance. And as we keep our heart, it will overflow with springs of life. And as our heart overflows with springs of life, it will empower us to walk more faithfully according to godly wisdom. I don't know if you've ever considered how a pigeon walks, okay? But we're going to show you a little slow-mo video of how a pigeon walks, okay? There's a point to this. Now, supposedly, this video was used actually by movie animators. They were studying the bobbing head of the pigeon, okay? Yeah, because they wanted to animate it for a movie. Now, the reason a pigeon walks this way is because the bobbing action allows them to refocus their eyes with every step. And by by focusing their eyes with every step, what they're doing is they're surveying the surroundings in order to ensure that each and every step they take is secure. Now, when verse 26 says that you should ponder the path of your feet, what it's getting at is that as you you walk through life, your wisdom-infused heart will be the frame of reference by which you guide each step you take. In other words, as you grow in biblical wisdom, the choices you make in life will always be measured against that frame of reference. So just like the pigeon, you know, you're going to start to spiritually bob your head, okay? Because you're, you're measuring your steps according to godly wisdom. This is why many who have come out of difficult family situations and then moved away and grown as an adult and grown in your faith, that it's increasingly challenging at times to relate to old family and friends. Why? 
Because as you continue to grow in faith, you become less and less like the person you were years before. This means that you feel more and more like a foreigner in the presence of others at times. And this feeling, it's, it's this evidence of change that comes from dwelling in the river of God's word and the gospel. So to, to conclude, I want to make something very clear. This proverb is not teaching that the Christian life is about doing good things so that you'll be rewarded with a healthy and prosperous heart. It's not saying that. Though there are principles in the Proverbs that say, do good things and it will generally lead to good things. Certainly there's godly wisdom in that. But when it comes to a transformed heart, things work a bit differently. Because what we've learned today is that the Christian life is about your mind being renewed as you fix your eyes or live in the river of God's word and the gospel. And as you do this, you'll be infusing your heart with the water of God's truth. And this truth will not only begin to change you, but it will overflow from your heart into new springs of life. And as this truth overflows, it will begin to change the way you walk through life. As you grow, you will be less likely to go around hurting others and hurting yourself because you will now be measuring your steps according to godly wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Really do. Really thank you for your word because in it, it's, like a, it's just like a treasure chest that never, never quits giving. And as we pour our heart and our mind and our thoughts, as we fix our eyes upon the riches of your holy word, and as we rest in the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ that not only gives us the opportunity to be forgiven of sin, but makes us into something new, that gives us a new and ever-transforming heart, Lord, in those realities, we find life, we find breath, we find hope, we find strength. And I thank you that even in the Proverbs, which at times can be confused as a rule book for prosperity. Lord, we see again and again, as we have seen thus far, that true change comes as an act of grace. The grace of God to so lovingly provide for us in the revealed word and in the revealed work of Jesus Christ to save us from sins. Lord, we can rest in that. We can abide in that. And as we do so, Lord, we can experience the fruit of a life that is changing for you and for your glory. And so wherever, Lord, there are points of of difficulty or challenge represented in this room because of sin or because of the sinful world in which we live, Lord, I pray that people would leave this place with a fresh commitment to walking in godly chokhmah, to resting in the wisdom of God that's revealed to us by your grace and through your mercy. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.